A disclaimer for our listeners. The content within this podcast is for mature audiences. It contains graphic descriptions of true crime events that may be unsuitable for listeners below a certain age or those who find this content triggering. The content creators would like to acknowledge in advance that we are not trying to imply anything discussed in the episode is humorous. However, we may reflexively try to lighten the mood when discussing gruesome topics. If this manner of discussion offends you, please do not continue listening. Welcome to Cold-Blooded Brews, where chaos ensues. Our brutiful hostesses today are... Christine, Stephanie, and Sabrina. Please grab your favorite mug of coffee and join us as we discuss today's cold-blooded killer. So who did you find for this week's select brew? Arthur Shawcross, who is also known as the Genesee River Killer. Mm, What are some interesting facts you dug up? Where did he come from? What's his whole deal? So he was born June 6, 1945 in Kittery, Maine. He was born a month premature. A whole month. He was kept in, like, the NICU for 21 days, so it was 21 days before they could, you know, take him home and he was healthy enough. But I don't think that excuses all of his later behavior. (laughs) (laughs) So he had an unhappy childhood. Um, His mother described him often as odd. Um, He did not emote very well, even as a baby, which kind of... As a parent, I would appreciate that, like, way to not scream constantly. But he was so placid that apparently this was concerning. So he was known as an odd child, even with the neighborhood children, from, like, as young as five or six. So at five or six, even though he knew how to speak normally, he reverted to baby talk. And this regression, while while there's no specific answer for why he decided to do this at that age, it could have been due to some kind of trauma. So what kind of trauma? He could have just been missing attention from his mother because his mother did find him to be odd and therefore she didn't have a strong rapport with him. Well, he was the oldest. Yes, he was the first child, yeah. So as she had more kids, Yes. They gave her that feeling, that emotion uh, that she didn't get from him. Yes. So she really gave them a lot of that attention. And so maybe some people say like that regression was him trying to be a much younger, like one of her small babies. So there was like some form of like unintentional favoritism essentially. And because of that, he decided to just act like them in order to appease. So that is one theory. Okay. Obviously. <laughs> the, no, and it could be right. I right. don't know. Uh, the other theory was uh, he alleged later in life, and this was disputed by his entire family. <laughs> so, um, and as you learn more about his personality, he is not. He likes to tell tall tales. Yeah, he's not like, you wouldn't be like, I trust that guy. <laughs> He seems like a good friend. <laughs> um, Which he's also just... is a little weird because a lot of people, and we'll get to it later, a lot of people did trust him, which is why he Especially was kids. able to get away yeah. with things that he got away with. But Yeah, and I don't, and I don't understand that because, no, I never knew him personally. We weren't friends. <laughs> but watching his interviews, I was never like, feeling from this guy, like... <laughs> This seems okay. Like, he always seemed like a creeper and, like, very 
he had a lot of ticks, which I'm not saying that's necessarily a problem, but it was never, he never seemed like a somebody that I would be comfortable around ever, ever, ever. The things he said, what he was doing. Yeah. Didn't I wouldn't have hung out with him. I wouldn't have let him hang out with my children. Oh, you could take my child though. <laughs> They're kind of getting on my nerves. <laughs> so, uh, so again, back to his family. His family de- denies all of this, but he says that his aunt and his mother both sexually assaulted him, molested him. Um, he didn't bring this up until years and years later, which maybe that's a product of the times. Um, the one thing that we do know that has been corroborated is he sexually assaulted his younger sister. So, well, a lot of times children who suffer sexual abuse tend to either take that as an okay thing or project that bad emotion onto younger children that they have control over. So it would make sense if he had experienced it or if he was toying with the idea of this concept. Um, but it's also something that, especially given the day and age that he comes from, you know, families would very vehemently close that over, hide it up. So even though his family isn't cooperating it, it, it still could have happened and they're just shushing it. And um, I understand that. And yeah. my whole thing is he just doesn't seem like a trustworthy person to me. And right. because, as you'll see later in things that he explains, mm. he exaggerates so much that he could have been spanked and turned this into a whole thing. Yeah, and, and, and that's, <laughs> I don't know. that's a whole thing. And but, it's really hard to pick apart where truth lies yeah. when people lie so often. And, you know, one of the most common sayings is there's always a little bit of truth behind every lie. It may not come from something that everyone sees in the same way, but there's always just a little inkling of a truth in there. So maybe it could be exactly what you said, where he was spanked or a form of punishment that was supposed to be against him was taken in a different way by his psyche. And that's how he viewed it. And that's how he progressed forward. Yeah. And like I said, I wasn't there. I don't know. I'm just saying based on well, there was my limited. You, Christine, you found earlier when we were kind of talking about it and uh, the ages of like... Yes. He So at the age of 10, he decided to, well, I don't know how you decide this, but okay, at the age of 10, he decided never to let a woman control him. All right. So any female <laughs> figure yeah. of power, a teacher, mom, aunt. Mm-hmm. And then at age 11, he had his first homosexual experience, which I have not yet found any information that explores that anymore it does not say that it was not consensual so i'm assuming it was consensual whatever it was and that is when he also started experimenting with bestiality oh so that was Uh, by 11 (laughs) that is not something that i knew about this so that's super fun so not only bestiality he would also set snares and traps and mutilate Ah. and bash just he liked right. the power of controlling something smaller. It sounds like he likes control, so that does make sense. Checks out. Did it say what types of animals? Like, was this farm animal? I know it was definitely cats. Ah, lovely. I don't know what else. Yeah, I'm not sure. Cats. I assume there was something else. Sure. 
but maybe it's just I'm letting my imagination <laughs> run away with me. <laughs> maybe it's just like, once I know what you're doing to cats. <laughs> I'm pretty much done. Jacked out of that little chapter. Right. Let me just close that route. I'm <laughs> not thinking it was anything good. So, and then at the age of 12, this is horrible. How people were just like, okay, buddy, like continue through your life. Like this is weird to me. So at the age of 12, his older cousin called him stupid. So he took his baseball bat when she was coming out of her house, hit her repeatedly in the shins, and then grabbed an axe and fought with her boyfriend. Lovely. This was at the age of 12, and everybody was like, all right. That's an angsty 12-year-old. Threatening to, like, decapitate her oh with God. the axe. Yeah. Like a, wow. like a kind of good a cousin. Comes up later. Right, in life. Sure. Which is horrible. <laughs> Terrible. This is the precursor. All of these warning signs, yeah. in, and, and it just gets worse. And everyone like, just continued to ignore every warning sign. That, every was, that was his last kind of um, childhood experience that I would count. Mm -hmm. So he was held back in elementary school, middle school, and high school to the point where by the time he was in the ninth grade, he was 17 years old. Oh. That is significant old for a ninth grader yes and that is when he was like never mind <laughs> never mind so he dropped out got odd jobs yeah um in between his odd jobs he had a lot of uh hobbies we'll say of lighting fires and burglary burglary and animal abuse <laughs> and oh and that's, sorry that's very <laughs> disturbing to me like and i know it was the 50s yeah. And 60s. Well, okay, so we, we haven't talked about time. that yet. So what years was he? I guess like his childhood started when, and then when did he become more popular? So he was born in 1945. Okay. So for tracking, you know, when he was five, six years old, that would have been in the 50s. You okay. know, he got to ten, like 12, 10, 12. the very end of the 50s, coming into the 60s. Okay. The 60s really is where he really starts showing mm. who he is. So yes, he... Ended up getting married and divorced four times. Um, his first wife, Sarah. Yes. He beat her. She left him. Not he got married a second time. Well, they were together for two years and had a baby. Yes. In that marriage. Yes. You know, she. Yeah. I, I mean, to be fair, not to have a baby. There is a whole thing just in general that I noticed with a lot of people that we classify as serial killers now. A lot of them maintain a very like normal house life outside of everything else they're doing. Even if they have oddities about themselves, people are attracted to those kinds of oddities. And it just kind of builds this ability for them to be normal at home within their own realm of normalcy and then go out and do crazy stuff. And there's always at least someone who's attracted to a psychopath. I, I, Stephanie I also that. believes he was not hideously grotesque in his younger years. <laughs> no, so I look at pictures of him and like this strapping guy. And like he has and, a very strong jaw, very strong which jaw. is you know is pretty right. attractive. He's like I don't six, know what happened. <laughs> yeah, a six yeah. six foot, I think. Yeah, yeah but six tall, foot, taller like, guy. And so, and he did a lot yeah. of like manual labor. Right. So you know, he probably like had a decent body. I'm and not like, and I think that these wives, I don't know, I didn't. Like, Maybe they weren't this. going after him for his 
intellectuals. They were like, there you, you are tall and you can pick me so up. So dark and handsome. Probably, <laughs> probably like wanted, yeah, some yeah. strong, like some people go after guys, and especially in that area. But <laughs> I would encourage everybody to look at pictures of him when he was younger and look at pictures of him when he's older. Because he looks like a botched episode, and I don't understand. <laughs> it's not like his whole person. his whole jaw is like, like what happened? <laughs> yeah. Like all of a sudden you have no jaw. Well, that's what happens when you wait. And he was like three hundred pounds. Like <laughs> right, and and that will do it. You know, you you do gain a lot of body mass in your facial area, and it'll cover over that nice cut jawline that you're used to having. He had so much going for him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> After he and Sarah divorced, that was during... Um... So so he, it was 1960 when he dropped out of school. So okay. he was 17 in 1960. He did get married those two times. The second wife that he had... Linda. Linda. <laughs> this one's kind of funny because if you remember what was going on in the 60s, mm-hmm. we were at war. Right. It was the Vietnam War. Yep. So... He was drafted to Vietnam and he and Linda kind of were seeing each other and got married shortly before he left for the war. That was extremely common during draft times. People got married for benefits and other things right before everyone was leaving. Yeah, but a lot of people escalated everything to happen within weeks or months of their official dates. Which so. we all, as a part of the military community, yes. know that that <laughs> tradition has not died. No, it has not. And it goes great for everyone who wants to try it. Right? So, <laughs> so in 1967, when he was 21, this was when he was drafted into the army. This was when he divorced his first wife. So right around the time he got drafted, he divorced his first wife, who they did have an 18-month-old son with. Mm -hmm. And he never saw that son again, which that's kind of... Probably better for the child. Sarah was smart. Okay. (laughs) So she saw the red flags and got out of there. So then he was in Fort Sill with Linda, where she started noticing his arson tendencies <laughs> because i know they were married because of um the hilarious thing that he said about like, aren't you gonna go and see your wife when he got back from yeah the war? yeah and he forgot and that he, he forgot was that he i forgot one? i was married wait so yeah. okay so he got married to her when he was drafted yes left yes and then back. his mom said hey because he had been home for three days already right what I would imagine a lot of people would want to do after being home for three days. Right. Not hang out with your mom. Fair. And if, well, now, now I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying for three days straight. Maybe not the first thing you want to do. Yeah. Right exactly. Thank you. Okay. Three days straight. So you would think. Yeah. <laughs> so then after three and it takes his war and didn't like right. see me immediately. And that's, that's the principle of this. Like if he was a single soldier, it would make sense that he would go home. But I I would think you would find somebody. (laughs) Anyway, so after three days, and it takes his mom three days to, like, broach this subject, (laughs) she's like, hey, I'm going to go see your wife. And he's like, oh, I forgot I was married. So do we want to talk about what he said he did in Vietnam? Because that... I would love to hear about Would this. you? I think that we should preface this, though, by saying no one corroborates this. Okay. 
Yes, not a soul. This his, is his, his statement. His, his sergeants alarm. were all like, no. <laughs> he was a supply clerk. Okay. <laughs> he was at a desk the whole time. Right. <laughs> Because this is horrible. Yeah, what he, he says, says that he never saw longtime sergeant. They he never saw combat. A single day okay, of combat. Like, he was. Oh, you need more pens? Right here, you go. Sign it out. Like that was his right. job. The supply clerk. So I, there's the preface. Is no one. Yeah, because no I don't. I don't want anybody to hear this and then be like, I can't listen anymore. Like, right. hold on. <laughs> so according to our mm-hmm. yeah quotes here, his job was a weapons. And he liked tennis mightier than the sword. (laughs) He took advantage of all the guerrilla warfare going on in Vietnam and frequently Mm -hmm. went out on solo missions. Oh, okay. All by himself. Because (laughs) according to him, he murdered, killed during war about three dozen people on his own. And I'll let Christine dive into the, the, the most grotesque of the ones he claims. I I will preface this by saying that, like, even during Vietnam War era, the military doesn't function around solo venturing. It's a team, yeah. My trusted friend and confidant, (laughs) Arthur Shawcross, (laughs) says that you are wrong. Right, right, right. It was focused around supply clerks. He was such a bad And him. Yeah. 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 And so he was trained by being drafted. Because we all know drafted people got the most excellent training on the planet. They were in there for years and years. They were the most high As an elite team of go-getters. An elite team of Uno. But yes, the, the preface for anyone who's not military is that that doesn't happen. No. That's just not that's not what the military Literally does. Literally just in the movies and right. apparently in Arthur's Shawcross. Arthur heard some tall tales <laughs> of other people getting to do cool things and wanted to be cool because... It feels bad to be the only person who got drafted and never saw war. That it's would like be my take. Go to the bar or something, and you always went to that old guy. That <laughs> yeah, had like that hat. yeah. I was Air Force. I, or, sorry, not Air Force. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, like I was a SEAL. I, I was part of those operations. <laughs> I was a Green Beret. <laughs> And that hit me with such force. <laughs> I guess nobody's really bragging about being in the Air Force. More like air salt. I was in the Air Force. Force. That's what I meant. And I got up out of my canopy bed one day. <laughs> got into my the slippers. Hotel, <laughs> we were out of eggs Benedict. Yeah, I was, <laughs> was the longest morning. <laughs> I was in the middle of my pay for staying in ungood conditions. appreciate your service. Yeah, we you. do. Thank you. Just like everybody else, we like to capitalize Except on cheap shots. Shop. <laughs> yeah, except for Arthur Shawcross. So, circling back to that. <laughs> yeah, so, Christine, while in Vietnam. So, while in Vietnam, he only served one tour. So, Correct. please don't think he did this several times, <laughs> and therefore his numbers might, in some dream, <laughs> make a little bit of sense. <laughs> They don't. He doesn't. There was nothing. So he would decapitate what he called mamasons oh. and 
According to him. Right. I don't want it to sound like I believe so it at this all. this particular lady. Yes. He said he saw her walking through the jungle. Okay. With four assault rifles. Like, like one like on he would. two on each shoulder. Like, just. So he would, he would leave the heads that he decapitated. And I believe he said it was 29 or 30 victims oh. total. But he would leave their decapitated heads as a warning to the Viet Cong. Yes. Yeah. So I like how he didn't do this to soldiers. I'm sorry for but just like at that, went but random like, women. Right. Like so you bizarre. better. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for your yes. important solo missions. So okay, but there was one one woman in particular. Yes. Who was apparently just strapped out of her mind with weapons mm-hmm. going into the woods alone. Because there was a lot of a lot of solo missions going on on both sides. I guess. Right. <laughs> so when when did he find the sec? How did the second woman arrive? Do you remember? So that's <laughs> different, different sources tell a different little story, and I haven't heard his actual story. And it probably changed because he had that a tendency to, to. But apparently, there was another woman who came across shortly after he decapitated the first woman for the weapons, and maybe she was another part of their mission i don't know i didn't actually see like the fine details of it but he had already murdered the first one decapitated her confiscated her weapons and was cooking a piece of her thigh and decided to yes um make a meal capture the second woman and cook the first woman's leg and eat it in front of the second woman to extract information from her which like you I would just be me, vomiting. Like, right. unless you want to know what I just ate, I don't know what you're going to get out of this, but. Your fear tactics probably aren't best suited by eating a person in front of a person. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just saying. There are much better ways to gain information from someone than trying to scare them via cannibalism. That, that's all I have to say on that. <laughs> it, it, it literally does not make any sense. No. And he says he did extract information. Sure. From him and from her. Right. I, he didn't say whether he killed her or not, but I'm sure he added that to the tally. <laughs> he had a two-woman buffet that day. I <laughs> and then he gets back. Yes. Yes. And goes to his first sergeant. Or somebody that was. A, a, a sergeant above him, which at this point, okay, he's been drafted for about like 10 days. Right. He's at the bottom. Right. Yeah. So anyway, he goes to somebody who he. I guess respects who hugs him and says, "You're a sick son of a bitch." <laughs> that's it. Huh. End of story. <laughs> and that's his war story. Yeah. So yes. he killed people, ate them, and was just at a void. Sick son of a bitch with a big old yeah. hug. Now, to be fair, in Vietnam, there was a lot of really some stuff happening, and Absolutely. a lot of people were super on board with the gruesome stuff. So it was encouraged. This still feels like a tall tale, even for those circumstances. The fact that it was, he claimed it was solo mission. It was all right. him. He was out in the jungle by right. himself, like we talked about earlier. That yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah. It, you know, there was, there was a lot of brutality. Yeah. There was a lot of really awful things that happened. Sure. Now, does it track the, the people that he would be attacking are women? Yes, because that tracks with everything else he does. He likes the power, mm-hmm. the control. And he's he not going to let women control him? Yes. He loves installing fear into women. So it makes sense that even in his tall tales, 
the person he would be attacking are women in general, even if they're not actually a part of the war and what's going on. But especially because they can't get anyone else to say this happened, which like normally you would just go to the sergeant or whoever um, and ask them like, hey, did you say this to him when you hugged him after this mission? Because no one else stands by this. Like, yeah, in that particular sergeant right. was like, no. Absolutely not. Right. Like, Very- not only did I not say that, not only was I like, hey, that was a bad idea. Like, right. it was like, you didn't do anything. Yeah. You and, sat at your desk. And so that. No one hugged you. That leads to the statement of this is most likely him just making something up because he wanted to fit in with everyone else who had really cool war stories at the time. I'm going to go back just a tiny, tiny bit because sure. when he was drafted into the military, his parents, people that knew him, thought this is going to be such a good thing for him. This mm-hmm. is going to be some structure, some stability. He's going to get his head on right. He's been just kind of adrift, you know, ever since he dropped out of school and even before that. A lot of parents, even to this day, have that concept that your troubled child will learn how to not be troubled if they just go into the military. Right. And I think that because he liked to rebel against mm-hmm. women... But he liked to be in control. Mm -hmm. This gave him absolutely no sense of control. Yeah. I think it made things worse. Because when he got home, that's when things started to really kick off. He was arrested Mm -hmm. for arson. He burned down a farm. So So he's escalating tendencies. Yes. Uh, He did commit a series of burglaries prior to that. He was sentenced to five years, but he only served two years for that arson. Under two years. So wait, was this like a random targeted (laughs) attack on a barn or was it like someone that he knew? I don't believe it was anybody he knew. Um, There was was no personal connection mentioned. He was known to start... This was Fire not his first like, arson experience. Yeah. Right. Yep. <laughs> this so. was because he got sexual release from arson. Ah, lovely. Um, Love that for you, man. Fire just gets you going. Yeah. The, the term fire in the loins is literal here. <laughs> yes. There you go. Very smart. Which I think is getting into caused a lot of tension between he and Linda. Oh, okay. Yeah. Still As, with the second wife that he forgot about. So... His second wife, she was pregnant. He beat her till she was unconscious. Mm -hmm. Her family took her to the hospital Mm -hmm. and she had a miscarriage. So I kind of feel like she dodged a bullet there. And then divorced. Yeah. And and then they they did get divorced. I think that may have happened before he was arrested for arson because when he was released in October 1971, this is when he went back to Watertown. And at some point between then and a year later, this is when he kills his first victim. Ah, Now he met and married. So, so if you remember, his first victim was killed on April 7th, 1972, less than two weeks later on April 22nd, 1972, this is when he married his third wife, Penny, who was pregnant with his child at the time. So she had children from a previous relationship they lived in an apartment complex together even before they got married Mm -hmm. and a lot of the neighborhood kids also played with her children okay also played with arthur Uh, and her children and the neighborhood children you see kind of where this is going a little bit Um, (laughs) no we're good some reports say that like he would kind of 
rough play with them and tackle them around and shove leaves and things in their pants? Nope, it got weird. <laughs> Maybe don't <laughs> let this guy around your kids, which I understand in this era, this setting that we're talking about, that was not something people were super aware of and super conscious of. You know, serial killers ran amok mm -hmm. for quite a while, um, back when they could, and people were exceptionally trusting of each other and especially adults in authority over children. And that is where a lot of those problems came up is adults were just happy to trust each other regardless of red flags that may have popped up. And they were like, yeah, you can watch my kids. Like, whatever. Just don't shove any leaves down their pants. Well, <laughs> that's do, a loose rule, do, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> just keep doing that. That's not like that's a hard and fast weird. one. If they think it's funny, then what's the problem? You know, my kids are entertained. So yeah. have at it, man. <laughs> He tickle. He, he was just very like handsy yeah, with the neighborhood <laughs> yeah. kids. So who is Jack, and where does he been? So him? Jack is a little ten-year-old boy, Jack Blake, who hung out, spent time with mm -hmm. Arthur. They were known to go fishing together. Oh, okay. So one on one time. Yeah. Yes. Gotcha. So at, at one the point, that but this not, kid never had. Not always one on one though. Sometimes right. There Sometimes other children. other children were involved, mm -hmm. sadly. So at one point, Jack and Arthur and Pete, so Jack and Pete are the little boys, um, go into a quarry with Arthur, like you do, or did. Hey, man, I've, I've gone swimming in quarries, so. <laughs> did you take a bunch of little kids with you? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been doing it wrong, I guess. Really? So Arthur was chasing Pete and Jack around the quarry. Jack tried to get away. And mm -hmm. Arthur did not want Jack to leave. So he took Pete and held him over the ledge of the quarry, threatening to drop him unless Jack came back out. Thank you, dear. So I'm sorry, was right. that not part of your quarry experience? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to be a running theme of like, look what I am going to do to this other person right. if you don't do what I yeah, cooperate. Once again, holding the power in a situation. Yeah. So, you know, no, nothing happens on that occasion more than, more than, yeah, more than that. His pants, like, holy shit. I would not have I, that well. <laughs> I am very afraid of heights. Yes. So my family knows I can't even go to, like, the edge of a ledge with them. No. Or I'll I look down and instantly, fast. I'm going to fall yeah. off and I'm going to die. I can't climb a ladder to put lights on my own house. Like, that's, that's where we're at with the heights situation. I had a problem so. at my old job stepping. Yeah. So first of all, the step stool was kind of shaky. Right. But also I couldn't go up those two steps. Right. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> my husband tries to put me on his shoulders and I cry and beg him. Like, I would not have handled that well yeah. at all. Yeah. <laughs> no. Parent, if one of my right. kids came home yes. and told me about this incident. So do you like, think, <laughs> do, do you think the kids told their parents? No. I, I don't have an answer for that. Maybe I'm they, wondering. So maybe they weren't sorry. Or. Because. I would have been that, that strange yeah. adult took me. Well, what I did think when I, I mean, I got hit by a car. Amen. When I was like nine <laughs> across the street because I was trying to go to some guy's pool that he let us neighborhood kids Please, swim in. Please, okay? when I, you, when you say you were nine and you say this was some guy, how old was that guy? <laughs> oh, he was Oh, he was retired. Gross, Stephanie. That's why my mom wouldn't let me go. I, I wonder if your mom had a point. I say this all the time. I would have been abducted by any serial killer that I met. I swear to God. Sure. Like, I had It sounds like you were almost abducted and killed by the, no, this guy. I think this guy was a perv, obviously. Uh, yeah. And he would let neighborhood kids swim in his pool. 
I lived in this little neighborhood. I had yeah. to go across a busy street. Some guy stopped. He waved me across. Another guy passed him on the right. I got hit by his car. I went up mm. over the car. The guy took off. I'm laying on the road. Yeah. Luckily, I didn't get seriously hurt. But you know what came out of my um, mouth? Don't, don't tell my mom. Tell my mom. Right. I'm fine. Yeah. I'll go home. So maybe they weren't supposed to be hanging out with him. Maybe their mom be. kind of did get the oh creeps. Oh, God. There also could be a situation of, you know. I'm so adults. glad you live to adulthood. <laughs> barely. Just barely. There could be a situation of adults enacting, like, the secrecy policies where he was like, hey, we're going to do, go do something fun today. But you can't tell your parents. Or the parents knew they were going to the quarry. The parents knew the kids were hanging out. But when it came to what happened at the quarry, he told them, if you tell your parents, then I will come and hurt you or your parents. Right, because he just threatened a child. So it's not a far leap to say that he probably just scared the kids into not telling their parents what happened. That's possible. But then this brings us to... Right. The second event with Jack. Sure. Because this did not end for Jack. <laughs> Poor Jack. Come to find out. <laughs> Jack was a little dumb and wanted to keep hanging out with this person. Oh, but so was he? We don't know. We yeah. don't know if he went. If somebody has the answer to this, please let us know. Yes, please. If you found this, anyway. All right. Absolutely. Because all we know is Jack and Arthur ended up going fishing again together. Okay. They're in the woods together. Yeah. Bonding and repair from trauma. <laughs> or, but <laughs> go sideways. We've just got more. Trauma. Right, right, right. Arthur beat Jack and raped him. Oh, so apparently Jack maybe found out Arthur was either following him mm. or something just made him uncomfortable, and mm-hmm. so he tried to he tried to run away. away. From he tried Arthur to leave. Again. But now Arthur didn't have Pete to dangle over a cliff. It right. was just the two of them. Yeah. So. So he chased him down. He chased him down. He ended up strangling him after he already beat and raped this boy. And then he covered him in tree bark and debris. Huh. Leave the body in the woods. Right. So they think he chased after him. He snapped, you know, beat him, raped him, and freaked out. This boy's going to tell somebody sure. what happened. So, right. So, well, because, okay, so he had the rush of adrenaline. He's getting what he wants. The power in a situation over something that's inferior to him. It's not a female per se, but it is a smaller thing. Probably got the same adrenaline rush that he used to get with the cats and other things. Did what he wanted to do. Then consciousness set in and was like, hey, if you leave this, this kid is definitely gonna say something. And he like, regardless probably- of how scary <clears throat> you are, this kid is going to accidentally or intentionally tell something. And so he did what every serial killer comes to the same conclusion of, which is now I must kill this person to prevent. The oh, I'm going to go back to jail. jail. Right. Yeah. I was already in. I do not want. I didn't these. like jail. <laughs> it wasn't for me. Let me stars. avoid the consequences to my actions by just killing him, leaving him in the woods. And at the time, People weren't as technologically advanced, so serial killers got away with this a stuff. lot. Mm-hmm. It was just, wow, we found a body in the woods. Again! Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oopsies! <laughs> so, but this time, they didn't find a body. Oh, so, it took Jack them... Was missing. It took okay. them five months oh. before the body was located. Yeah. And it was only located because... Well, hold on. <laughs> 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 so... His murder happened April 7th, 1972. That's when Jack Blake was killed. Okay. In September of 1972, 
the body of eight-year-old Karen Ann Hill was found under a bridge. She, too, had been raped and murdered and left near water. Police found mud, leaves, and other debris forced down her throat and put inside her clothing. Now, it says that neighbors remembered that Shawcross had been seen with Karen in the vicinity of the bridge before her disappearance, which is a good point. But why was nobody like, there was this weird guy shoving leaves down all the neighborhood <laughs> children's pants. And, yeah, and immediately like, this kid has leaves seems... in her pants. <laughs> so apparently he was on the banks of the river, sure. as you do, I guess. I don't know if he's fishing or I what, guess. but his bike was parked on the bridge and he was under the bridge. Okay. Karen came walking across the bridge uh-huh. and he said, hey, little girl, come here. Come I, hang I, out with me. I don't know why she right. went, but he enticed her some sort of way to come down there. Mm-hmm. Raped, beat, shoved, I mean, I Strangled. guess shoving the leaves and the, to keep her quiet. Yeah. While he was raping her. Well, cause he already got away with it once. Correct. So now in his head, he's like, as long as they're nowhere where someone can see me do this, I can get away with this because the other kid is still considered missing and hasn't been found. And therefore I can do this. He used the strings on her shirt to strangle her. Oh. Yes. Then. Yeah. So Karen Hill was killed four months after Blake was killed. Uh So five months later, that's when Jack Blake's body was found. Okay. So... Karen's body was found at the river. I believe that night is when they found her. So her body was found very quickly. So much faster because her mom was on it. She said she's missing. Somebody saw her near that bridge go over the railing. So the they they saw she drowned. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, unfortunately, like there's if if you've never been to Watertown, New York, the Black <laughs> River, it is a strong current. Like yes, people yes. go whitewater rafting on there. And yeah. so it's super easy that a, a literal child, eight year old, yep. would fall in and drown. Yeah. So because Karen's mother was so on top of things and in contact with the police right away, right. somebody remembered that Shawcrest had been seen in the same area. The partial match to his bike. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> So, <laughs> like, we were trying to figure, like, what they say? They saw a bike? He had like, a bike? it had two wheels. <laughs> Partial match to a bike. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> How do you get a partial match to a bike? Yeah. Uh, color? Two wheels. No. Size? <laughs> no. <laughs> it, it's a bike. It was a bike. It had, it had two like, wheels. Hey, that man owns a bike. <laughs> That guy doesn't have a unicycle. It is a regular... <laughs> or a tricycle. T- yeah. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Not a tricycle. Two wheels. Despite all Bye. the children he's <laughs> yep. spending time with. So, uh, pretty so he tried quickly. to come up with an alibi immediately after this happened. I think that that's important to, to point out that he climbed up this bank, up to his bike, went towards his house, ran into some random teenage kid in the neighborhood and said, let's go get some ice cream. Oh, so he had an alibi that right. I was he went out fishing and then he went and hung out with this kid right. and got some ice cream. Because so he had the forethought to try to come up with a cover story for himself. Yeah. yeah. So he was arrested. Yeah. Well, so yeah, they, they sought the partial bike. The partial bike. <laughs> the fact that he was seen in the area. Yeah. The fact that she was seen in the area. 
kind of put it all together. So they had sure. this like, and he you know had what? a I think that this dude did it. Mm-hmm. Oh, also the the dog. There was a there was a dog. The police had was it a I don't know about oh the, the dog. dog. The, yes, the dog tracked her scent from the bank to his to his house. Yes. Ah. Like, Beelined it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So that's, I mean, that's helpful. Right. If you have a trained right. canine dog. If there's no diversion on this path. <laughs> yeah. My, then, so, but I'm sorry. Did the dog not stop by the ice cream stand? <laughs> so he went to his apartment. Ah, first, probably got changed. And that's, yes. I'm sure, because he's had to have been that, full of that might, Well, I was curious. Okay. But so although that, that doesn't matter because when he killed Jack, he was covered in sweat and dirt and, and yeah. went to the gas station. And nobody. And somebody happened to see him there. But still, mm-hmm. we'll find out why that's a little bit infuriating. Infuriating. It, it made you so mad you can't even say words. That's <laughs> how so mad pissed. it makes people. <laughs> I don't blame see. you. Okay, so he got arrested after the girl was. How yes. did that lead to them finding Jack's body? So he confessed to both killings. Ah, because okay. he wanted a plea bargain. Ah. And this is where I get so right. mad. So mad. Yes. Okay. This man raped and murdered children. Two children. Yes. And he is <laughs> he is very, I think, very clearly in his thoughts and his exaggerations and yeah. his actual life events. He is not going to stop. Right. Obviously. He's... Getting worse. Well, see, okay, so at <laughs> this point, they're hoping that because he's been caught, it will at least stop it from happening again in this area. Because they're like, okay, well, that's what you would fucking right. think. That's right? what you think. I mean, very, <laughs> very technically, like, hey. if you create a tight radius. Right. So the fact that they, success. they but, never found Jack's body up till this point. Right. right. And they, so they pretty much think they have him almost dead in the water on yeah. Karen's murder. Yeah. Except there's a few different inconsistencies and we sure. all know the forensics was not great the 72 was <laughs> not great there no. wasn't a whole you know yeah. um that's why we're uncovering they did their best <laughs> right now right that that's the entire reason that right. we are working on cold cases from the have 70s they been now. able to do dna have they been able to do you know like anything just he would have yeah it would have been fun. but because they 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 knew he had something to do with jack because of what he did to Karen. right so under the terms of the plea bargain, Shawcross agreed to tell everyone where Blake's body was, and he was therefore allowed to plead guilty to manslaughter with respect to Karen. Manslaughter. And all other charges were dropped. So Immunity. They gave him the plea bargain. It's not just that he asked for one. It's that they mm-hmm. gave him the plea bargain, and then he still got away with it. So he, yes. Gotcha. So what? So he yeah. <laughs> received a 25-year sentence. Uh-huh. And with the possibility of parole. Yes. And he only served 14 and a half for good behavior. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, these are things that we see very consistently with serial killers of this age is that police wanted to trust that they would be rehabilitated. And if they could behave themselves in prison, it, they believed that that meant they were a good person again. So when he didn't behave himself the first, I don't know how many years. Even so better. He, he went before the parole board. Right. Several times. Mm-hmm. But see, the so progression I- of him going from being a bad inmate to a good inmate is what they saw as him becoming a better person. And the police believed that because they caught him and he had some kind of consequence to his actions, 
for the second time, that they were like, yeah, this man is just gonna be okay. Rehabilitated. <laughs> so after 12 years, the prison staff and yeah. social workers decided he was no longer dangerous. Right. <laughs> despite the fact that psychiatrists said he was a schizoid psychopath. Yes. <laughs> Who suffered from what? PTSD, yes. schizophrenia, inappropriate affect, like so mm -hmm. many mental health mm -hmm. disorders that made him such an unstable person. Mm -hmm. But the parole board, the, you know, social workers, well, staff is like, nah, he's completely rehabilitated. Mental health was not taken as seriously back then. People were given diagnoses and it was either you were shoved into, you know, the crazy tanks or you were released back into society under someone else's watch. And so that's where it comes key. Right. He met a pen pal ah. while he was in prison <laughs> who was able to vouch right. for him for his release she yeah. could give him a home and a job yeah so shortly after his <laughs> sentencing there for apparently only one manslaughter <laughs> uh, his third wife penny divorced him as well she should have and wait when did he divorce the second wife and get married to the third wife so he divorced the second wife right before the arson okay so i want to say he got out of the military his in he was drafted in in April 67. So um, he, he was away oh, yes. from he, the second he, wife. And by the seven third wife who had all the kids. Right. Mm -hmm. So after the divorce and after he got out of jail. Right. Then he met okay. Penny. And okay. Penny. So then she then. Right. And that's how he ended up in this neighborhood with the children. And okay. so this maybe speaks to him not to not just being a complete monster. So part of the reason he didn't serve that whole five years for mm -hmm. the arson is because after 22 months, he was granted early release, due in part to saving the life of a prison guard during a riot. So, okay, he had one How redeeming. You. Well, you know, he could have let that person die. He could have. I don't Absolutely. That's like one person <laughs> out him. of everyone that, yeah. It was but a prison riot. He needed him to kill people. <laughs> right. That had any power. Right. Yeah. That was like, on, yeah. Less fortune, like another smaller. man. Yeah. And conceivably, this is a male in power. Right. Yes. Him. So he has no issue. So, yeah. You would kind of think at this point, this is a terrible person, right? We can all agree. Yeah, this absolutely. Is a terrible fucking person. Mm -hmm. But boy, does it get worse. It does. <laughs> it and does. I think. Come to find out, it gets come worse. Come to find out. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> So I think we saved the rest of the story. Okay. Sounds good. For yeah. another day. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Part two coming soon. Yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's Select Brew. We hope it was to your taste. If you would like to keep up with our weekly selections, you can currently find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and other select sites. If you would like to keep up with our short clips and podcast updates, search us on Instagram or TikTok under at Podcast. All edits to this podcast are done by the Mayor of Anything, who you can find by searching at Mayor of Anything on any platform that matters.